Thanks to our sponsor, Ecotricity. Ecotricity is New Zealand's only carbon zero certified electricity retailer. They offset all emissions sourced from wind, hydro and solar. Find out more at ecotricity.co.nz. Hello and welcome to How to Save the World episode, oh who knows no, actually, 20 know something I think, go us. Yeah, an eh? episode a week for the last twenty something weeks. Do you have quite an? Do you have quite an? Hang on, we haven't introduced top. you. Oh, sorry, I was going to. I was distracted by the fact you just don't even know what episode this is. Well, it's because we we do. Hey, here's a peek behind the curtain. We preload a little bit, oh. so we get drunk and record. No, no, no. no <laughs> yeah. what we pre-record a few, and then oh. we can sometimes muck with the order a little. Or bit. Or is it if I'm not very good, I'll just drop out. And you don't want it. You don't want to ruin the synchronization you've, you've of your episodes. You've got it. You've got it. Um, that beautiful voice that you Hi. hear, that familiar, iconic. Kiwi larrikin Nasal wine <laughs> Is Tirada Who is a um, broadcaster extraordinaire You might have heard him Over the many years on RNZ You might have seen him on the tally On his uh, TV shows A man who Might more have than, seen him winning awards Exactly More than any other New Zealand comedian I think has a, a very strong set of green bona fides He's walked the walk And talked the talk for many years now So we thought we'd have a sit down And chat with him So Radar, thanks for joining us, oh, Thanks mate. for having me. Mm, welcome. Welcome to the... Um, this studio is really good uh, most of the year, but we're just entering the sunny summer period now, and it gets real hot oh, real does quick. It? I, yeah. I was actually thinking that it was remarkably cool in here. Does it, are, we, are we just before the sun heads over the yard arm wait, and starts to blast you with its solar rays? Wait for, episode, uh, for minute 17 of this right. episode, and all the CO2 will have built up in the room. We'll all be falling asleep and sweating profusely. Well, it's good. I mean, I, I'm wearing black today um, because I'm just trying to get used to living in a hotter climate. <laughs> you know, we've Do, got to prepare. My wife said the other day, she said, global warming, uh, climate change will just be increasingly... What people consider to be nicer summers. <laughs> oh, that that's was, a hell of a reframe. We can all uh, yeah. go home then. Well, we did follow that on from a conversation around the fact that it's where we live. It's like living in a kind of a like living in an alien world, and we're quite fair people. My daughter's very fair; she's only kind of four. And, and we look outside the door, and we slather up, and we we put on suits of of protection from yeah. the sun before we head outside. And then you do go outside into the sun. You go, this is horrible. It is a little bit like living. In an inhospitable and somewhat alien world. And we haven't ever really... That's really my attitude we just to rolled with That's it. not even climate change. That's just an ordinary <laughs> New Zealand summer. Hey, in the interest of having a little bit of structure to this, um, this, what I'm sure is going to be a very loose and lovely chat, um, we were very interested to know about... You've like been making TV shows and talking about sustainability and environmentalism for quite a long time. A lot more the, uh, longer than it's sort of been in the very popular mainstream zeitgeist, which has happened recently. What was the genesis for you? Where does this come from? It was you? coincidental, and it didn't start off so much. It was nothing that I did deliberately, and that I I was unemployed um, as I had been for a long time making docos, and and the reason we got into the first series uh, off the radar was that Marcus Lush couldn't had been funded to make this program where he lived in a field and Jam TV who make intrepid journeys and various things I'd known them worked with them for years um, took me out to lunch and said hey look we've got this money and Marcus can't do this show uh, and so we went to TVNZ and I think they showed them um, part of my intrepid journey where I was stung in the groinal region by a scorpion and and <laughs> not only TV. didn't die it was great TV it was terrible I, it was on camera and I, I literally thought I was going to die uh, 
in the desert. But they said, look, you know, he seems to be enjoying it, and he hasn't died. And they said, well, if he does die, no one cares. He's not. A, he's, I think it was episode <laughs> series twelve or something of Intrepid right. Journey. So there was took a, a while of, to get to you. Oh yeah, I'm not popular. Um, and so they said, what are you doing? Do you want to go and live in a field for a year or so? And I went, yeah, sure. So we, I came to it sort of from a farming and a food point of view. At the time, I was really interested in 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 pork, um, like pig farming, because there was all this call around changing the way that we farmed pigs. Was and, there and rightly around so. the and, time and when Mike King? No, flipped. way before that. No, okay. way before that. And it was to do with it was to do. There was a whole lot of stuff happening. Like I quite like pork and chicken and these things, but I hated the way that it's farmed. And I was looking at the kind of cost structures of. Of, of, of a protein, of a meat that was the cheapest in the market, it was being flooded by imports, still is, of which they have to meet no ethical standards, imported pork. They, they only have to meet a health standard. And so we were saying to our industry, you need to spend all this money and change this, that, and the other things, sour crates and, and, and whatnot. Um, and, and, you, and I was looking at this thinking, this could actually... You could see this industry disappear here. Interestingly, I've do, been do you doing mean because some, of the competition. Yeah, because of the competition from overseas, and you know this. Of course, it's not going to be enough with swine flu. You know what is it? Half the world's <laughs> pork population. I thought we'd solve that one. No, no, that's oh, bad. No, it's erratic. Oh yeah, swine uh, flu's. Yeah, I never left. China has has killed in the last twelve months something like a hundred million pigs. They've killed more pigs. They've slaughtered more pigs to try to stop the spread of it than than all of the pigs in the American hog industry, and Holy it's spreading globally. Smokes. And and they're looking at a twenty five percent death of of pigs globally. And actually, there is something in New Zealand too, because we live rurally and we received something from Ministry of Ag saying, "Do you have pigs?" And yeah, they wanted it, to know. They just wanted it really on a register bad. because it's really of some. Bad. Yeah. So that and that affects everything. That you know, if you look at that causal chain all the way down to someone who's growing um, soy or corn, and they want to feed the pigs, and, and that mm. rising middle class in China, and, and but uh, anyway, the point of that. So that journey came from there. We gave the, Radar a coffee sorry, before we got on the record. It wouldn't everyone. have made any difference. <laughs> um, don't get me started on, on the effects of climate change on coffee. Oh no. Um, but then that, that came all the way through, and I was just doing a presentation the other day on the future of farming, um, in its all of its many forms, and looking at Chinese pig apartments, which are a multi-story, uh, you know. 12 or 15 story concrete blocks that they house 10,000 pigs in using um, algorithms, AI, machine learning, microphones. They can hear a pig cough. Or the interesting thing for that was they could hear when a, when a sow lay on a piglet, they could hear that sound. The machine would alert, you know, the computer would alert them, hey, go and sector level five, sector seven, and roll that pig off. And thought, you know, imagine bringing that technology here to eliminate oh, sow right. crates. Yeah, yeah. So, that- you know, this, this is a very long say. What All I'm saying is that. You know, 15 years ago, I was concerned around where our food came from and, yeah. and the ethics of big ag and farming and sustainability. And then here we are, you know, now it's a mainstream conversation. Mm. It seems like you have a affinity for the future and for the science and technology of where farming's going. And you've got kind of a back catalogue of documenting your adventures into looking, yeah. after, looking into food chains and food supplies and stuff like what are you seeing out there that we wouldn't know about there's a lot of there's a lot of really amazing tech and 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 the future of farming is you know if you listen to dr rosie bosworth um fantastic she's very much um in that kind of tech world of plant-based proteins fermented meat all of this but at a conference the other day she said you know within five ten years partial agriculture will be gone and uh you know there's a lot of people who are saying that that tech meat is going to replace 
animals. There'll be no more animal farming and this, that, you know, various other things. And, and when, we, pro- when you but, say but, tech, mate, you're talking about like oh, I'm the, talking, you know, in a cell based, cell yeah. based, so grown in a, or in a, fermented in a huge vat or, or, or created by tech people. And my question around that is, it's, what are the banks? say about that because what you're saying when you're going to say this partial agriculture will disappear is you're saying the hundreds of millions the billions of dollars of agricultural debt that the country languishes under Mm. are the banks just going to let that disappear are they going to have farmers walking off the land so i'm curious on that aspect of it like where is it going scientifically Mm. i'm also a little bit of a skeptic around food created in a lab you don't think we've maybe got the social and economic infrastructure to support a move oh, like i think that. the social and economic infrastructure i'm curious around the nutritional uptake uh, uh you know you can we've all taken things apart that used to work and then put them back together and they didn't really work <laughs> and that's yeah. essentially what they're doing with food there was a great article the other day of a guy who went yeah. to one of the big food fairs in america you know those huge things mm. thousands of exhibitors and he was going along to the various counters and saying this and, and trying to trying to source the ingredients that you put into make this kind of food. You know, you, you extract a protein from a pea and whatnot. And he was saying to the people, how do you do that? What do you use? What chemical process, what chemicals are you using to extract all of this stuff and then to put it back into something? So I'm curious, I mean, I'm fascinated with it. And, I, and I'm not against it in any way, but I'm curious as to how that will progress. But I'm also mindful then of what happens, say, to New Zealand and an economy that is, it really is as soon as you get out of the city you know painters decorators plumbers electricians uh schools whatnot are, are, you know all of that income that comes indirectly through farming because i guess the broad story of what we've seen in the 21st century so far is tech people getting a lot of money and sucking it all up yeah. into a funnel and it reaching one you know, tiny point and you think that's where well, you've got food sovereignty issues you've got transparency issues the whole things i don't know where farming is is, is going to end up it's going to be radically different you know and i think the days of i've always been a critic of of milk powder you know milk powder is why are you a critic of milk powder? because it's just a low basic it's it's nothing. Low brow? It's low, not low brow. It's just a, it's the most basic thing. If you ever look at, say, Tartua Dairy Company, you know, um, high payout, you cannot become a supplier to Tartua. You, it's, it's just impossible. They, they're full up and, and it's, you know, years ago they, they, they made one of those decisions um, where they put in these milk powder dryers and then the board went, you know what, we've made a mistake. And we're going to tell our shareholders, our farmer oh, shareholders, so sort of that like, they went, we're going to pull them out. Like the markup. There's, there's the not markup, a lot of there's margin no on it. It's, a, lo- it's, a, it's a, a, a commodity, the whim of, you know. And are we right now, is New Zealand quite hedged on being yeah, in, involved in that? Yeah, we sell a lot of milk powder. Yeah. You know, we take, and it's this very vulnerable, low margin Low margin, it can be, product. you know, worst hard to it. They make nutraceuticals and all kinds of things. And have you look, so so Palmu, formerly Landcorp, um, they're milking deer currently. They're investigating milking deer, which is, a, if you've never seen that, mm. Google on YouTube, I think there might be some clips of deer milking, the cutest thing you'll ever see. So they're, and I think it's 80 bucks a kilo for dried deer milk powder. Uh, but that's going into like high-end cosmetics, really high-end restaurants. So obviously that's got a, di- a whole other different makeup than dairy cow milk. Oh, totally different. Totally different. Huh. Richer, fatter. Uh, you know, it's it's not you know it's not the same thing. I'm not sure how we got here. But having said that, Neither so am I. anyway, look, what I'm saying is, I'm curious around where the technology is going. I'm really curious and concerned about what happens to the entire swathes of of global countryside with people who farm but i'm also looking at some of the tech stuff that's coming through farming so 
well, you know because i feel like you're a reasonably qualified person to ask about this because you've had a career sort of interwoven with the agricultural and, yeah, and dairy industries and in my gum boots yeah, you yeah. Sp- i grew up on a farm you grew up on a farm yeah. you do shows about uh, north waikato dairy oh. farm we broke in uh, what my dad at the time called swamp and what we now call <laughs> wetland, wetland. Uh, <laughs> and probably it will go back to wetland i suspect um a, a, a lot of it um my brother's still farming he's looking to get out of it because he's just he's not into it um and and dad did the thing that 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 people were told to do in the kind of 90s you know go and increase the size of your herds and he did it and looked at it and went this is unsustainable this is bonkers cut the numbers back very early um how did that work for him colonel and various things oh sorry no no work work back you know the cows were less stressed but economically how did that work fine because you're not having to bring in you know all of this other stuff. You don't have all the kind of animal health issues. You know, still, still a lot of cows. This still is what Mike Joy was talking to yeah. us about. Mm-hmm. He was saying, "What? Yeah, these kiwi farmers don't seem to get. Is but that see, if you reduce yeah. your herds, you can increase your yield. You can. You probably I, look. I, I don't. I'm not going to say I'm an expert on the the things. But if you know, it's, it's like anything. If you're working really, really hard, every every part of your system is stressed. Yeah. You know, your workers are stressed, your animals are stressed, your equipment is stressed, your land is stressed. And you take it back and go, what is the kind of optimum level um, of, of income that we require to service the debt for the land? And as I was saying, you know, the government, and it was both Labour and National Government said, go and farm us out of this situation. Yeah. And, and here's we, a ton of fertiliser to do it. Here's really cheap water. nitrogen stuff. Here's water. Right. No. And interestingly, I've just done a, um, a whole series of dinners around the future of farming with um, uh, a fertilizer company talking to farmers and various other people. And, and, and I like to do things like that because where else do you get the chance to be a provocateur yeah. right in amongst the provinces from Northland down to Invercargill and to sit with people and to say, well, what about this and what about that? And interestingly, one of the, one of the great comments came from uh, an old farmer in Rangi Aura who said he remembered his agronomy lecturer 20 years ago at Lincoln or whatever was saying, dairy will be the economic driver that greens the fields of Canterbury and then dairy will move off for a more sustainable, ethical, economically valuable crop. Hemp. Could be hemp. It could be sheep. It could be meat. It could be it could be sheep meat. It could be wool. It could be peas. You know, mm. uh, carrots. Uh, New Zealand grows, I think, 95% of the world's carrot seed. What? What? Yeah, oh, the seed. Truly. The seed. Yeah, we are the kings of carrot seed. Who knew? I we should didn't. get a campaign for that. Yeah, man. You know, so 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 you know, you may see a lot of that dairy move off. The problem being at the moment is you've spent you know millions of dollars on a bloody dairy shit. You're not going to just so much of this comes it. down to the economics of it it's for economics. people. I think people's hearts and minds in so many yeah. cases are already there. They're yeah. just trying to work out the practicality of it. But what you what you're also seeing is is a shift away from solo farm mitigation to landscape watershed catchment scale and so you've got some of these fertilizer companies now with a lot of tech around leaching and land use management and 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 drones and gps so mitigation of say um nitrogen and various other runoff from farms instead of looking at it on a farm by farm basis there's a lot of places now looking at at a watershed or a catchment scale and saying where do we invest our where do we invest our money in a in a project that will benefit much more than say some isolated riparian planting or a a, a catchment pit on an individual farm and so now that you're looking at things in a landscape so they'll say actually if we built this big wetland here or restored a wetland all of this catchment benefits 
you know, it might be on one person's farm, but, you know, that conversation around putting money into this mitigation is a really fascinating one. So, you know, you you restore a larger piece of land and it actually, you get it back to, to doing the function it's supposed to do. How, with these conversations you're having with the farmers at the moment, how I mean, Fonterra just had like a record loss reported this yeah. year. What, mm. What's kind of... Like, what's the mood of the people who have been, up until this point, a huge economic engine for the country? Well, it's, it's, there's a lot of, um, there is a lot of despondency because, you know, we've all, you've had a bad review, Tim. I've had a bad review. I don't know if you've ever been reviewed. It's I horrible. don't think I've a been reviewed. What well, a happy a place to be. You seem excellent. Um, you know, it gets to you. And so there's a, there's a lot of that. But having said that, there's also a lot of people doing some incredibly good work. And what was fascinating is people, there's a sort of a sense that those old farmers are just stuck in their ways. Actually, some of the most um, vibrant and and um, adoptive and adaptive farmers are those older farmers who have seen all these storms, have weathered them. They know what's coming. They can see the changes. They've maybe, maybe they're in a financially better position to make a lot of these changes I to continue farming for those the future. Old dogs as well are the ones who are going, Okay, we've had three hundred year storms in the last three years. This is not normal. Yeah. And they've got that experience of their yeah. whole life to be able yeah. to compare it you do get to. better at uh, picking patterns as you get you older do. Mm. You, do. you know and they know that all that change is coming and there are other issues as well you know the, the fact that china has just bought westland milk um and what does that do with the sovereignty of that land you know um we're already out there there's a there, actually the the really big thing at field days this year i do field days every year i do the emceeing and welcome people welcome dignitaries to this showcase of agriculture where most people go home with bloody stone cookware so much stone cookware um the really interesting conversation um just about everyone said there are trees they're sick of trees all these trees how do you mean sick of them they're sick of, well there, there's a you know we talk about a, you know land being sold you know um and so all this land is being sold to overseas pension funds there's university endowments and various others to plant trees to offset you know carbon credits which mm-hmm. i always think is a little bit I think carbon, you know, to carbon credits are a little bit like saying, "I'm, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm punching you in the face, but I sponsor a child." Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just, I don't get them. But anyway, so and so, you've already seen there are communities who've seen their schools haven't been renewed. There's suddenly a loss of income. All, all these people who say used to all the shearing gangs used to shear up big valleys and all those valleys have gone uh you've got people now saying well okay what happens to to pest control there's a levy on meat uh that goes to some pest control but suddenly this big property next door great big stations going into trees so there's no levy so what happens to to the pests in there and and the and the oh coming out of these big forests you know you know all the possums and various other things so it's, it's an incredibly complicated kind of business as much as you think you were going to plant trees you know and um I think trees are great, but, you know, manuka for manuka honey and pine, because pine grows fast, I I basically just sort of call it um, kindling. You know, if we're looking at drier, hotter Mm. days and and more extreme fire days and we're planting a a whole lot of manuka and pine, you know, I hope we're getting better at firefighting. Away from the experts in this realm and the the farmers and, and you giving these dinners to the insurance companies and these sorts of things, just in terms of you tripping around the country, talking to Joe Punter, yeah. are you finding a difference now versus five years ago in terms of the kind of conversations and awareness people are, are having about these issues? Yeah, um, to an extent. 
Uh, when you do get caught up in a bubble, when you go to places, you tend to often catch up with the same people that you know or you've met and you see their journeys and where they're going. I think people are more aware of things, little things, coffee cups, and, you know, small things that really, they're kind of important, but on the bigger scheme of things, you know, and it's hard for people. Like, you don't think there's been a ground swell, a shift? I think there has definitely around issues like water and 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 rivers and all of that and 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 you know you you need those little those little gateways into plastic, larger conversations. One. Plastic, plastic bags, you know. But even if even if all of New Zealand gave up plastic bags, it's going to be great. I'm finding for us, that the but it's not going to change the weather. No, I'm finding that the conversations I'm having now are less around trying to say, "Hey, this is real, guys. This is happening." People, you don't need to start there anymore. Uh, <laughs> it depends on who you're talking to. Um, but no, you're right. Um, and it was actually for, actually for a long time, particularly around those kind of bigger climate change conversations, I just stopped listening to people when I stopped reading about it. And I got a, because I was suffering a little bit of eco anxiety. And a lot of me was just going, I didn't want to believe for a while. You know, Tim, we did, we spoke to Alana Mitchell a while back, and I was listening to her, and I was going, you know what? I just. Deep down, I just don't want you to be right. Alana Mitchell, uh, for those listening, is a marine biologist. Oh, oh, she's she, a journalist. She's a, she's a science, science communicator, science yeah. writer and journalist and wrote this book called Seasick 10 years ago, which I think I might have mentioned on the podcast um, earlier. And uh, it paints a pretty dire picture. And then also, I read that whole book cover to cover without knowing when it came out. I thought it right. came out like last year. Yeah. And then when I saw sort of copyright 2009, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, man, we've been talking about this for a long it. time. So, yeah, it was interesting. And and, and so now, um, when I was in my phase of just not paying attention to it, deliberately, I just it was just making me feel upset, you know, Um uh, I got asked by uh, some ins- uh, a conference for insurance brokers to give them a talk on climate change. And I said, I don't really want to do that. And my agent said, well, they want to pay you this much. And I said, I can probably do it. Um, <laughs> so I tried to find other things to talk about because we, we sort of get fixated on some of the big things like sea level rise. I mean, that's a big thing. You, yeah. you know. Yes, actually, that was the first thing I thought of when you said insurance. Yeah, but it's, it's more than that because so I looked at all these other things. I looked at the fact that suddenly if you get a warmer and wetter uh, climate, so say nor- Auckland north and a little bit of the east coast, it's wetter, it's damper, suddenly you get all these mosquitoes that can't currently live here, living here. And I just read a, um, a kind of a, a review and article about a, a book on the history of humans and their relationship with mosquitoes. You know, mosquitoes, according to the book, have killed more more humans than anything else, including what? wars. Mosquitoes are just, and we think we're on top of this kind of thing, mm. but suddenly you get dengue, Japanese encephalitis, Ross River virus, Nile River virus. Suddenly you get that kind of thing here. And for anyone who hasn't travelled to places like that and isn't hasn't undergone that kind of worry of dusk and dawn and slathered themselves and whatever's in that stuff that you put on and taking mm. your bloody larium and hallucinated if you're you know, yep. an Air Force pilot and bombed the wrong place. Uh, it's a long story. Um, <laughs> did happen, actually. Uh, larium's a bad a bad preventative for malaria. But suddenly that changes everything. Um, other, other little things, you know, and I said to them, when it gets a little bit hotter, what, what happens to people? They get a bit tetchy. Yeah. So your road rage, your urban incidents your domestic violence there was a correlation i think um for every one degree that it got hotter there was a six percent correlation in the increase of sort of incidents of civil violence um all of these little all of these things add up to quite a different scenario a a breakdown in in civil in civility and we're already seeing that and so 
bearing in mind that these insurance companies, and I know that you're not talking to the CEOs necessarily, but they're the people who are sitting on the biggest piles of cash and sort of determining where these funds travel and where the capital travels yeah. around the world. Do you get the sense that they're starting to get the message that they need to jump on board because what oh, their man, current the trajectory they're on is going to screw them as well? companies, they, you know, they employ some of the best brains in the world to enable them to continue making money. They are the best gamblers. You know, so they know there's all of that change. But, you know, does that trickle down to a brokerage level? So these people were brokers. Mm. And I, I showed them a, a photo. I took it off the, off Trade Me the night before of um, uh, sections for sale on the Fittianga waterways. And I said, does anyone who buys one of these sections ever come to you in advance to go, what's my insurance going to be like for one of these? And um, Belinda Story, who does work for the Great Southern Challenge, I think it is, which is the big government um, initiative around climate change and various other things, she looks at it through the um, through the insurance lens. Um, and it's fascinating because she has some really interesting stuff. And what I like is, is her, her thing to, that says we need to look at property and our relationship with property and move from a freehold mentality to a leasehold mentality and the leaseholder is nature so we might get i might buy a seaside property and people are going oh but the sea level is going to rise i go yes it will but it's not predicted to rise for 40 years now i'm happy to have this property in my family for 30 years take a loss on it maybe someone will buy it for the next 10 and maybe someone else will go oh well, look i might get another another three years out of it but as he's saying it's not it's not that communities are threatened say by their own properties being inundated but you're threatened by suddenly having a council that can't get insurance on the roads that head along the coast and so suddenly your access is cut because the insurance they say we're not going to insure those roads anymore or your power is cut because your your grid network is going to say we can't keep putting these power lines back up again or whatever that may be so there's all these other little drivers as well what was the answer to that question what question? Do people ever ask? In their no, insurance? no, they didn't. No. no, that's been my impression too. I look at the just you can see it from the prices. Yeah, they're not the, the, the prices on coastal still going up. Everyone's it's happy as it no, isn't reflecting. People because are, it's so far in advance. It's you know, next year is twenty twenty. I still haven't got my head around it. I remember the millennium. You know, I went to Masterton for the millennium New Year's Eve because, A, um, we were all worried about um, Y2K, Y2K and the collapse of society in the year 2000. I thought, I'll go to a place where the apocalypse has already happened. I don't care. <laughs> Hold up in Masterton for the evening. Um, spent a lot of it in a, quite out of it in a pool. Uh, water in darkness. It was a great experience. That's None where you want to be. That's where you want to be. For the end of the world. Yeah. But, but you know, when you think 2040, 2060, mm. it just seems... It's only two decades away. It's my, you know, my four-year-old daughter in, 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 in 20 years, she's only going to be 24, mm. you know? It's not very These time frames are, are short. The time frames yeah. are short. And, and I think for a lot of people, we just... I think deep down, people just don't want to believe it's true because if we believe it's true, it's really hard. Well, I was thinking before when you said about the eco-anxiety, I I was thinking for me it's more around, it's just so, our world is actually mostly in New Zealand just so beautiful and Gorgeous. we're so lucky here yeah. and um, we're more or less just, if, if it wasn't for what we were hearing in terms of reports or statistics, it's like, I could just, if I could just ignore all of that. And the fact that we sit on the ring of fire. Uh, <laughs> I'm so positive. Here's the but thing. Even, yeah. But even then, it's like my life's been pretty good, actually. Yeah, and when, so if I yeah. just were, if, I, if it was just a smaller little sphere of my understanding of the world, 
I could just be having a great old time. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it's like you're holding this enormous burden of an understanding of what's about to happen mm. that we haven't seen much um, on the ground experience of. Yeah, and how, you know... Uh, so it's easy. To, so what I'm saying is that it's really... It's a really valid choice to just ignore it. Yeah. You hear it and go, well, actually, I'm kind of enjoying yeah. my life. And also, but also, <laughs> you know, also, understandable. What understandable, can, yeah. What can, what can an individual do often? You think, well, I'm not buying a plastic bag. Who cares? Am I putting something in a recycling bin? Well, I've long ago gave up on recycling. I haven't given up on recycling, but I... I, I I'm less, I'm less likely to believe the myth of recycling. Well, you realise that is the crux of our show. What an individual can do. So here's do. the thing, and this, and this is what I, this is the conclusion I came to. Find the positive people, and it, with Alana through that, and there was a great, um, you know, look for, look for what the benefits of all of this change and this disruption is going to be. So if you're looking at say, you know, carbon-free cities and public transport and all of that, there was a wonderful line from a scientist that Alana Mitchell interviewed when she wrote a big article for. Uh, for the, one of the Canadian elections on what does 2050 look like in a carbon-free world? Because, you know, we all think, oh, God, what does it look like with this apocalyptic event bearing down on us? But if we make these changes, mm. and there was a scientist who said, um, particularly for the for urban areas, he said, we will measure the success of our work by the return of bird song. By which he went, not necessarily mm. that birds will return to cities, but that cities will be silent because we've got rid of noisy combustion oh, engines and various okay. things, and we will once again hear the birds that's a cool metric you know because most people if you live in an urban area you've never really heard your city silent this episode is brought to you by ecotricity new zealand's only power company that's 100 percent renewable and carbon zero certified it's ecotricity's mission to provide kiwi homes and businesses with 100 percent pure renewable power by choosing Ecotricity, you're supporting the development of new renewable energy, improving New Zealand's economy can grow without costing the earth. Find out more and sign up at ecotricity.co.nz. Here's the thing, because I feel like it, we, we've been we've for about off, half an hour. Know. No, no, it's not that, but I feel like a lot of the thing, specific examples that we've been talking about so far are reasonably dark, and it's a dark vision of the Let's future. Let's bring it back to something positive. But I think you are a positive and optimistic guy, yeah. and I think that there, just tagging on to what you were saying about kind of building this world vision for what 2050 can look like in a carbon-free cities and planet, there's like a few documentaries that are coming out now which are sort of painting that frame for yeah. people and letting people know what it can look like. And there is a staggering amount of opportunity in lots of different ways and when you're talking about what can the individual do, I'm a st- stupidly optimistic person about the ability and potential of the individual and what yeah. the individual can achieve. And I think, you know, you just need to open a, a history book or a, a Facebook at the moment to kind of see examples of how powerful one person can be and what can happen when you just start giving a shit and start yeah. communicating with other people who do. And a good example that I'd put forward at the moment, because um, I follow American politics pretty closely, is the Green New Deal. How, how do you how do you balance that off with your with your optimism for <laughs> how humanity is progressing? You know, yeah, it's Green a New complicated yeah. story. But right yeah. now, so Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, amazing, just this amazing. incredible fig, an individual who yeah. came up, gave a shit, coalesced with other people around her who gave a shit, and became the youngest ever woman to get ele- elected to Congress. She's now just got this incredible social cachet to the point where, you know, so much ink was written about who she was going to endorse 
to be the presidential candidate for the Democratic Party. She's 31, I think, right now. And she was the one everyone was paying attention to. She's championed the Green New Deal, which is a fantastic example of a set of um, new bills and laws and legislation that would be America-wide, which not only pays attention to the changes they need to make for the environmental progress and restoration of the country, but bringing into that all of the social and economic components and there's so much opportunity for those two things to be linked together, to have job programs that are linked to um, what are you, like greenifying the economy, basically, yeah. and getting sustainable rid of the, technological jobs. There's a you very know, yeah. hierarchical structure that's been built around the oil industry and, and petroleum yeah. and how it's produced and all of its ancillary products. And there is an opportunity now that we see that that's not a sustainable way to go forward for the next well, whatever, a few decades, basically from five years onwards, if you listen mm. to most scientists. So if we do move to this new future, there is a whole other blueprint we can put, which is socially a lot more just for people yeah. to get involved with. And I think the thing that we've got over the animal kingdom is imagination. That's like the one defining feature of humans. We were the first ape to be able to go, but what if? And then paint this other picture and then gravitate towards yep. it. And that is the thing that gives me a huge amount of optimism yep. for the future. And I think, I think more people are getting yeah, on board with I think, that picture. And I think, you know, and what we do is, is we find those people who are doing amazing things and we celebrate them and we talk yeah. about them and yeah. we say, hey, did you know this is happening or that's happening? And, you know, I do a lot of awards nights and this, that and the other thing. And I, say, and I often say to people, look, you you know, or, or conferences, I say, individually, none of us might ever, we might not change the world but we can change our world. And even if it's local, even if it's within your whānau, your community, your society, your workplace, your sports club, your church, whatever group it is that you belong to, you know, you can make huge changes within that and that then filter out because well, suddenly... Which kind at- of brings you back around to you are changing yeah. the world. Like because it might, yeah. it, it might not be from your perspective that you have, but you're just bringing in so many other people that are do- all doing the same thing and all acting in the same way, but you don't know each other. That's right. And, and actually, if you go back to that very first series of Off the Radar, which is where we started this conversation today, whilst it was about sustainability and This food, was Radar's TV show, by TV the way. TV show, um, you know, what that program was actually about was people and community and people helping other people and people with positive attitudes and people just just doing the things that they thought were better for everybody. And, and that's what it was actually a celebration of. And so I think, yeah, you know, bringing everything back to that kind of human context and and allowing yourself to, 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 to rid yourself of the naysayers and the negative people and to look for positive things and then to celebrate them. Because otherwise, you know, you do get caught up in this... You know, world of negativity. With that in mind, yeah. What's a, does anything specific come to you right now that you've seen recently that you're pretty pumped about? Mm. Oh, that's a good, that's a good question, Tim. There's lots of there's lots of little things. Um, I, you know, I, I, I yeah, I host a lot of awards nights, just about every week. And what I'm, what I, a lot of awards. There's a lot of awards. Concrete industry, security tech you know and there's awards for things that none of us will even know existed you know there's a big internet security awards next week that i've hosted for a few years you know they're getting awards for stuff that it's almost like that because they've done a thing no one ever knows that that thing was ever done (laughs) because they've done it well because they've done it really well and so our internet didn't get turned off um (laughs) i i am i'm just really inspired by how amazing people can be and little things you know and as i say uh it's often things that, that we 
it's it's yeah, and young people. I really, I'm really oh, into young people they at are the moment. Blowing it out of the ballpark yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So young people, um, and, and just people who who want to just forget about moaning and just get on with stuff. You know, I I, I like um, I like good old love, <laughs> lovely old Greta, who um, I referred to the other night at a function as, as kind of you know our modern day Joan of Arc. Yeah, you mm. know, who's being. Um, um, set on fire by the sort of the, exactly. the cardinals of capitalism because they don't want that message but that belief that suddenly you know she got all those kids out onto the street because it is their future and then those can we swear uh, yeah those podcasts baby no those, rules here those, those fucking people who just went I bet they drove there in their combustion engine cars and they're using their iPhones and this that and the other thing it was of course they are because they've never been given another option yeah you, you can know? only it's, as it turns out you can only use the tools that exist right. in real life and so you know oh, that, I know it drives drive. me nuts too it's like because we all are in this um current solution that we've all just got to use the tools and we're all doing our best yeah. to keep up with things as well like yeah. if we all walked to wherever we had to go we wouldn't be we wouldn't be here right now we no i make wouldn't it to be the here. march no i wouldn't no i mm. i drove maybe here. this is the path where this chat has led to what yeah. what in terms of you being a public communicator someone who's who's out there and far reaches of new zealand how should we be approaching these sorts of conversations and like it's it seems like you're almost saying put the blinkers on for the negative people let's just focus on getting the positive people who have got the good messaging yeah. and, and coalesce yeah. around them would that be yeah yeah you know and there, were, there was that study i think that came out of the states or something uh around how you how you convince people of something whether it's it's right or wrong for oh, science yeah. and actually part of it was just forget those people whose minds will never be changed and just mm. focus on the low-hanging fruit you know, um, and as I say, and, and when you see things, you know, particularly I see these awards, and, and, and they happen, and then no one ever really speaks at the beginning, but there's some amazing stuff happening. And I think finding those stories and emphasizing those stories and celebrating those stories of people who do whatever it is, whether it's whether it's in agriculture, um, you know, and I went to a, a launch the other day of a, of a fertilizer, you know, People don't like fertilizer, but suddenly, they, and the fertilizer companies know they don't like fertilizer, and they're in a, they know that their social license is rapidly contracting around them, and they're looking to 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 change what it is that they do to become around tech and innovation and science and and monitoring, and so they've, they've just come out with a new fertilizer that reduces, I think, phosphate runoff by seventy five percent, kind of thing, you know, which is eventually that product will probably disappear as well we're, we're plagued by kind of relatively poor but it does show you here. that people getting pissed off actually does translate yeah, you know? to change and actually there's been a lot of even in that field they had a um, uh, they've got GPS on top dressing planes now so they're, they're what's a top dressing plane it's, it's, what it flies, are you serious it flies over yeah. the country and pours fertiliser all over the land and oh, okay. you used to just do it by guesswork have you ever seen those planes that yeah, have I the, don't know what they were quite a oh. dangerous kind of thing to do as a pilot um, and also they just used it just used you would see it and it was just like throwing handfuls of fertilizer at that at the world that would drift off everywhere now this technology where it's computer controlled you put it all into a gps so it won't put anything on waterways houses areas land contours all changes but actually they won an award for health and safety because it made the job of being a top dresser pilot much safer it's all all these kind of little benefits little win-win little win-win if you want to be a top dressing pilot yeah. I don't imagine that we will be top dressing forever but maybe we will because you know it goes back to how we're going to grow food I suppose there's the oh thing, there's a few options there's there, a though. lot of options and I'm you know 
there's a lot of options. And I mean, what we, was we, really interesting was the, the, the vegetarian-vegan debate um, travelling the country talking to predominantly meat and dairy farmers. <laughs> not not many of them. Um, not a lot of vegan dairy. Some of their not children do turn out to be vegetarians. That's always uh, well, that Some way? of the children do. Like, you can grow oh, yeah. like, like yourself. Oh, yeah. You've grown up in a particular environment yeah, yeah. and with, and then you're... Yeah. Sort of twisted a bit. That's exactly right. It's just I always ask you know people who are really into almond milk. You know, say where'd you get where's your almond milk from? Because you know don't, you don't want to look at the water footprint of almond milk. Having said that, you know there's always lots of of those of that. I, I still think that 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 vegan vegetarian conversation is such bullshit. That stigmatization. You know I'm vegan, the, eh? No, yeah, no, no. It's the stigmatization of it and the oh, labeling right, yeah. of it. You know, and I say to these people, you know, that every single vegan and every single vegetarian consumes the produce of farmers, and you see them go, oh, it just might not be what you farm, but there's a whole lot of other people providing soy and wheat and you know uh, carrots and potatoes and lettuces and cauliflower. So I'm fascinated, even with where, you know, I'm at the moment. I'm really, really into um, vertical farming which is growing, particularly your leafy greens and other things, inside buildings. I've seen some videos on that in oh, Japan, yeah. and it looks super oh, cool. The efficiencies that they can create yeah, yeah, in those yeah. controlled environments. Mm, so you're also looking at not only warehouse scale, but I met a young guy from Hong Kong at the field days, and he said, oh, I said, why are you here? He was a part of a delegation. He said, I'm oh, looking at a vertical farming. I said, oh, what, you know, like shipping container size? Because you can go, you can buy now off the rack shipping containers that will grow all your vertical greens for restaurants and schools and, and whatnot. He said, oh, no, 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 we can't afford the, the ground rent for a shipping container. We're looking at vending machines. And so you will go into the foyer of your apartment building and you will have a vending machine full of herbs and bok choy and leafy greens. It's and growing whatnot. there. It's gr- it, it, they may begin the growing process in a separate facility, sure. but they will come around every morning like filling up a, a salad vending machine or whatnot wow. in those high-density areas and just pop in some new tubes of, of, of produce. So suddenly, A, you're, you're growing incredibly local. B, you're incredibly fresh, so your food wastage is down. And C, for um, places that are absolutely and rightly paranoid around provenance of food and where it's come from, you've you've got that tracked the whole way along the supply chain. You know where the water's come from through their filtration systems. It's put into this thing, the growing medium, and suddenly there it is. So, you know... It does seem like a lot of solutions are coming through. The change of uh, the way we do distribution. Distribution's it's massive. huge, and 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 lo- it's always comes for me. It's always coming back to local. Local. I was at a I did a fintech uh, presentation the other day of all these companies pitching uh, apps and stuff to the financial and tech industries, and you know it was mortgage repayments and loans and this and that and the other thing. And there was this wonderful presentation um, from. Uh, um, Robin Guyton from down at in, oh, in yes, Riverton. You know Robin? Oh, oh my God, yeah, I love amazing. him so much, mm. you know. And their presentation was essentially a kind of a um, a local app um, that people could come into and join for produce and whatnot so that you would, if you were a little provider of something, you could link into the system and people could get it. So essentially one of the examples she gave was, say there's someone doing a, got a little cool truck and they're running some fish up that people may have joined a, like a food bag of fish for the provinces yep. or, or meat or dairy. There's a lot of people doing dairy at the moment. So either um, raw milk, organic milk, small local processes. And I think that I'm really looking forward to a move back to those little local processes. Mm. Now that there's a lot of unemployed uh, stainless steel fabricators in the oil and gas industry in Taranaki, I'd love to see a move back to 
small cheese factories, small dairy factories, small abattoirs. You know, I heard of someone the other day who... And the platforms are already there for there, it. you know. Mm-hmm. Just need some health. Anyway, so this app, basically you could say, hey, look, I've got a, a little milk truck and I'm doing this milk run. And someone goes, well, I've got fish and I've got meat and I've got produce that I can't deliver. So we'll know that the truck is going up to, to Lumsden or to Waikaya. And you can see on the app, oh, the little delivery, oh, it's going to be at 2.32. We'll pop down and we'll get our produce from these suppliers you know, so fresh could be. It doesn't necessarily have to, be, you know, wholesome, organic, local, but trackable. So but trackable. People can actually yeah, trackable. See where the food's but also for them, it was around food sovereignty and food security because when the earthquake hit in Christchurch, supermarkets and places in Invercargill ran out of food. Mm. You know, so they want that kind of thing. So that kind of dispersed model, yeah, which can yeah spread the risk. Yeah, yeah. Actually, a big part of this is cutting out the middle person as much as possible because the smaller scale isn't as profitable. That's yeah. why people max up and yeah. to be able to shift it around a little bit and have go directly from the farm yeah. to the game. There are, there like are, that's happening at the I moment. Mean, there to, are, to me, the layperson, it feels yeah. like that movement. There are no, QR codes on, on products in Asian supermarkets and you scan the QR code and it will tell you A, where the product has come from, show you the grower and tell you what they were paid for it. Now, how does that disrupt? That's awesome. How does that disrupt all of those middle people? Because you remember there was a, a while ago, while we are doing off the radio, there was a, a spike in the price of a whole lot of stuff, um, grain and wheat and various things. It wasn't that there was a shortage, just that the, those people who were on selling those things whilst they're being trans-shipped, just clipping the ticket all the way along. So the, the, the farmers aren't getting the money. And, and they, you know, and I'm talking about not only the small farmers, you know, the little, little farmers, the subsistence farmers growing just enough to make, you know, they're getting paid the minimum. And someone's just clipping that ticket. And by the time it gets to where it's sold in a far off Western country, the price is astronomical. So that eliminates that kind of thing. What makes you, what, what, who do you celebrate at the moment? Well, I went to the permaculture hui this earlier this year, and it was at the Gaitans. Yes, it was. And it was amazing. Those guys have got a, a little cottage that looks like it was built at the turn of the last century, but it's been it's brand new and it's made entirely out of refurbished materials that they found, and it's all solid wood, all cheap as chips. They live in the middle of a food forest, which is um, kind of like an orchard on steroids. It's got five layers of food productivity, just like a, a regular jungle would have your top, mm. your middle, and middle, and middle, and bottom. And uh, they don't sort of garden it. They just bring it just planted the right stuff uh, yeah it's just yeah. it's just it well i guess you have the one of the big issues with the way we farm like you're talking about before term is monocultures and yeah. then if and it's not stable that's why you have to use the fertilizers and why you get the problems but as soon as you introduce diversity back um, which is a food forest is a classic case of of really extreme diversity you get stability so one plant will provide a nitrogen fixer for another um, and there's all this companion planting and once the idea with it is once the system gets going which there's is it's really established you don't have to do anything you just walk around through the forest picking food they also have a project down there where they saved uh, a whole lot of heritage apple trees amongst other things um i could talk for for hours around the papa of apples and how important that project was for the future of food diversity you know uh, i think that that we shouldn't judge ourselves here on how we farm. We've got a lot of changes to make, but we shouldn't get caught up in the sense that we're the same as, say, the states. You know, the states, their, their agribusiness model is that's absolutely failed. And, and little. And there's no such thing, really. You know, those little individual farmers and chickens or pigs, are, you know, they're, they're gone. And I think, you know, what they 
28 billion in subsidies or something yeah, that they've just paid uh, because of the whole I soy could, deal. I could get this slightly wrong, but I think a third of all the money that uh, farmers are getting in the States this year is from subsidies. It's, it's, it's bonkers. You, you know, imagine and their, what that you know, money would and do for subsidising something soil else. soil is dead. And Michael Pollan writes about, you know, if you were an alien and you came down, you would think that corn was the ruling species on this planet because of how much corn is grown. You know, but their model is failed. It's a failed system. Their system is failed. Their system is sick. You know, when you've got to bleach your chicken, yeah. you know, but let alone your workers' rights. Um, good good ideas are incredibly contagious. And yeah. why don't we let New Zealand be the positive contagion, the patient zero of yeah, some yeah. of these fantastic ideas? And as you were saying around the country, some people are trying some really incredible, innovative yeah. new solutions to yeah. this. And, and it takes a while for things to catch on, but it, they do. And, yeah. and, and the more that we celebrate them and the more that we tell people, people about them, you know, how often have we seen a good idea where we went, oh man, I didn't know anything about that. I'm going to do that. Well, look, that's that's the whole reason, Detray, for us being here. Rado, what is the one thing you think is the most effective thing we could do? Uh, In terms of sustainability. Celebrate success. Celebrate success and inform people of things that are different and things that work. Be, don't don't get caught up in the doom and the gloom of everything that is predicted to happen because you become paralyzed. Celebrate the things that can happen. Look through the change to what society could possibly be like. You know, um, and there was a again a couple. Some, there's some great writers around this who said, you know, actually what we're trying to create is a is a society that's more equitable, more it's easier, it, it's sustainable. There's a more sense of community. But there are so many challenges, you know. Even the other day, I read an article around to get rid of that negativity. Uh, you know, the death of socialisation um, through workplaces. People can't. I can't say to you, "Oh, I can come to your wedding in six months' time," because I don't know from week to week what my job time is. Because an algorithm is deciding when work is needed for the optimization of the capital of human labour. You know, there's all of those things. Having said that, there's also some amazing things and using using things for a positive manner. And just as I say, just relentlessly celebrate positivity and try to make better individual choices in your in your diet and your lifestyle do you do you the best that you can do thank you very much for joining us radar i've made what no an, sense at all no i fully i'm on board an uplifting way to end you have to be uplifted you know just you know summer is coming and 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 be be conscious of 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 who you spend time with and what you eat and what you choose to go and see and do because really humans are amazing and we we really do live in one of the best countries in the world be someone who changes your world and the world around you be that person that just celebrates other people whether it's their food their art their tech their food gardens the guidance are amazing go to riverton go to riverton go to riverton thanks again to our sponsor ecotricity New Zealand's only provider of 100% renewable and carbon zero certified electricity. Find out how to switch your home or business at ecotricity.co.nz.